So we are continuing a teaching series um, on the Sabbath rest that we receive uh, when we trust our lives in God. The rest we receive from the Lord. Not just rest we receive from taking a moment to catch our breath. I'm talking about something supernatural that takes place when we trust the fullness of our lives in the Lord. It's good to point out that Jesus himself always honored the Sabbath, going to the temple to be with God's people in worship. We see this in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. It says, And Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. So I love this because I love that we see that Jesus didn't come to the synagogue just to attend. He also came to be a part. He came to participate on what the Lord is doing. He came to serve. And we're to follow this example. We, we, we come to church on the Sabbath, not just to attend, which thank you everyone for attending. It's wonderful looking out, seeing y'all. But we also come to participate. And we do this in worship. And we do this in greeting one another. We do this encouraging one another and connecting. And we do this in all the things that we do here in this worship service. Every blessing that God has for us is in the hands of Jesus. Every blessing that God has intended for us is in the authority of Jesus Christ. And this is why we run to him. This is why we look to him. This is why we call out to him. Let's go to the scripture to see this revelation. And, and as we do, we're gonna, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 11, um, I, I want to point something out. Matthew 11, 27, we're going to see this powerful revelation. Matthew 11, 28, the next verse, we're going to see this powerful invitation. Okay? So verse 27, all things, and this is Jesus talking, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And if we can just pause right there. How many things have been handed over from the Father into the hands of Jesus? All things. Everything. Jesus is the complete, he is the full representation of the Father. He created the universe for the Father. He is the Savior of the world for the Father. He reveals himself as a Savior on behalf of the Father. He will one day be the judge of the world for the Father. We see in Scripture that Jesus spent his life in obedience to the Father, doing only what the Father said. He lived his life so that the Father might be glorified, and he fully represents the goodness of the Father. Jesus went so far as to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we look at Jesus, and we know that he is good and patient and kind and strong and mighty in our conquering king, and he fully represents the Father. And we see in the word that God gave Jesus the name that's above all names. So I, I drive this point home because one time I was having a conversation with an older woman, and she was pretty set in her ways. And, um, and she talked a lot about God, and every time she talked about God, I talked about Jesus. I finally said, I said, now I notice you don't really use the name of Jesus. You always say God. So why is that? 
and she had a really bad answer. I don't remember what it was. Something like, well, I'm, I'm, I've been doing it for this long. I'm not going to change it now. I'm like, no, no, no. We are to exalt the name of Jesus. I said, when you say the name of, when you say God, it could be anybody, and it could be anything, especially in this world. When you talk about God, it could be anything. This is God. This is God. Nature is God. Chair is God. Lamp is God. Honestly. But when we talk about Jesus, there's no mistake in who we're talking about, right? So when we talk about God, it honors the Father. He's not jealous and he's not insecure. It honors the Father to lift up the name of Jesus because the Father gave him the name above all names. Does that make sense? And it says here that the Father's given me everything. It's in his hands. What do hands represent? In Scripture, hands represent authority. Everything is under the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I don't, I mean, when I talk to God, I call out all three persons, and they are people. They're persons. By name. I'll talk, to, there's times I'll talk to the Father. And I'll just honor the Father. Jesus taught us to pray, and he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So I'll honor his name. Father, you're so good. You're such a good Father. And I'll talk to the Father. And I'll talk to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I love the introduction, the, the introduction that you got from Jesus, that he raved about you. I love the ways that you guide and that you teach and that you empower. Holy Spirit, you're so good. And I just invite you into this day. And I'll talk to the Holy Spirit. And of course, we talk to Jesus. But we exalt the name of of Jesus. All things have been handed over to him. That's astounding to me. And only God the Father fully understands Jesus. Let's continue in, in Matthew eleven twenty seven. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Is that wild? That's, that, that's wild to me when I think about that. No one fully, fully knows the Son except for the Father. The fullness of the mystery of the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ is so great that only the Father can truly grasp it. That's incredible. And only Jesus fully understands the Father. Jesus says this, continuing in verse 27. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. That is incredible to me. Jesus is saying, no one knows the Father except me, and those who I choose to reveal the Father to. So who does Jesus choose? to reveal the Father to. Jesus is one with God. He is one with the Father. He is one with the Holy Spirit. It's for this reason that Jesus is fully qualified to reveal God to us. So who are chosen by Jesus to know the Father? By knowing the Son? That'd be something good to know, right? What great links would you go to to know God? 
What great links would you, would you endeavor to to know God? I mean, would you climb a mountain? We, we look outside and we see 14ers all along the range. Would we climb a 14er to know God? Would we uh, swim a lake to know God? Would we swim a reservoir? Maybe, maybe something small, I don't know, smaller. A lake, you know. What if it's nothing near that treacherous or near that vast or near that difficult? What if great links weren't required? What if there was only one act that was required and that this act was actually pretty simple? So simple that it can be summed up in one word, a one-word invitation. Come. Come. The invitation of the gospel is for everyone, but everyone will not accept it. In verse 28, Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden or burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. This is the invitation that he extends. Come to me. This is the continuation of what we just read, the revelation in verse 27. Jesus only reveals the Father, only Jesus knows the Father, and also those that he chooses to reveal it to. So who does he choose to reveal it to? Those who accept this invitation and come to him. Sometimes we're arrogant. Sometimes we're just too self-focused. Sometimes our heart is, well, if God wants to talk to me, he knows where to find me, right? Well, if God, if God wants to, to bless me, if God wants to get a hold of me, he knows how to get my attention. He knows where I live. He knows where I am. True, 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 and true. But that's not what, that's not what he's asked. He's asked us to come. I mean, he came from heaven to earth. Wasn't that enough? He came from, from the cradle to the cross. Wasn't that enough? He went from the cross to death to an empty tomb, and he conquered death. Wasn't that enough? And all he says is, come to me. The Bible even says, Jesus says, hey, I stand at the door and I knock. And anyone who will open the door, I will come and I will be with them. I will enter in. But there has to be invitation. And that invitation was as simple as, come. It's good sometimes to just pause in the middle of a message. And I, if we've ever had that, that form of arrogance, whether we've been defiant and in our rebellion, we've said, he knows where to found, find me. Just right now say, Jesus, I change my mind. I repent. And I come to you right now, Jesus. I call. Just do it right there where you are. We don't have to wait till the end of the service. We don't have to wait till we call up a musician. Right then and there you can say, Lord, I've been, I've been wrong. And I've been proud. And I'm hurting and but I come to you, I call to you. We must come to Jesus Christ as our rest. We must come to Jesus as our Savior. 
and we must come to Jesus as our only hope of knowing God. We are not told what to do in this passage. We're not told what to do. We're not told what to know. We're not told what to experience, right? We're told what? Come. Come. It it just requires that bit of action. Come. It is coming to a person that is the only way of salvation, and that person is Jesus Christ. Only means of salvation. In John 14, 6, Jesus said this. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Coming to Jesus is our only means of salvation. We hit pause. Let me kind of shoot from the hip a little now. If we're so busy about offending people that we refuse to speak this truth, then we truly don't care about people. This this truth is offensive. Now we get to speak it in love. We get to we get to point them to Jesus. We get to let the Holy Spirit do the work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, stellar at His job. He He's phenomenal at His job. Okay, but we have to speak the truth. The only way to know God is through Jesus. The only means of salvation is through Jesus. We have my religion believes this and this. Well, I'm just telling you what what, what God has said in His Word. He's the only God that's not in a tomb right now. He's the only, every other religion, the leader of that religion's in a tomb somewhere. Our God lives and has been verified by Jewish leaders who tried to kill him, by the Roman government who, who documented everything, and by Holy Scripture. There's proof, there's more proof that Jesus Christ is alive now than there is that George Washington walked the face of the earth. There's more documented proof. Yeah, but we're... we're Afraid to declare that Jesus is Lord. Okay, hit unpause. We're not shooting from the hip anymore. It's not in the notes. That's, uh, you know, freebie. Back to Matthew 11. There's a special invitation here for all who labor and for all who are heavy laden, for all who are burdened. Friends, the sinner who tries to save himself ends up in total exhaustion. Trying to conquer our own sins, it's, it's tiring. It's exhausting. It leads to weariness. It leads to failure. Searching for purpose in this life is completely burdensome. But there's a remedy. Come to Jesus. There's a promise I will give you rest. Jesus said, come to me, I'll give you rest. Rest from what? From all of these things, from the weariness of trying to do it on our own, from the weariness of trying to clean ourselves up and make ourselves presentable, from the the weariness of searching for purpose when our purpose is found in Christ, in Christ alone. You don't believe me? We've all tried it. We've tried to have our purpose in work, and that didn't satisfy. We've, we've tried to have our purpose um, in, in a relationship or by being a parent or whatever the thing is that we thought would totally fulfill. And our purpose is found in Christ and Christ alone. The remedy is to come 
to Jesus and the promise, I will give you rest. Oh, thank God. Thank God the searching can end. Thank God that the, the, the loop can end. The pattern, that, that reoccurring pattern, thank God it can end. Just come to Jesus. Thank God, God that his forgiveness cleanses all sin. It conquers all guilt. God's Holy Spirit gives new power. And Jesus gives us spiritual rest. Thank God I can finally rest. Thank God we can finally rest. Right? But then, Jesus adds something else. He adds something a little baffling. Verse 29. The very next verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. I am humble. I am gentle and I am humble. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is a good time to kind of explain what a yoke is. It has nothing to do with eggs or poultry products of any sort. Um, we have a picture of it up here. It, it's a device that links two together so that they walk as one. So that they walk in purpose and effectiveness and strength. They can do more work yoked together than either could do individually. And so this is a yoke, and Jesus says, take this yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My yoke is light. We started in verse 27 talking about every good thing, every blessing is found in the hand and the authority of God. Friends, we are to position ourselves firmly under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and safely next to him, yoked together. It might seem odd for Jesus in one breath to call all of those who were weary and heavy laden. And then with the next breath to say, take a yoke upon yourself. In our minds, that might seem to be adding more burdens or more weariness to our load. But it doesn't. When we put ourselves under the authority of Jesus, we find that being yoked to him is freedom. It doesn't just bring freedom. It doesn't just bring liberty. It is freedom. It is liberty. which makes his choice of words even that much more interesting. The, the word yoke is often used metaphorically to, to refer to um, burden, bondage, including slavery. And this is the word he intentionally chose, a word that metaphorically is used for burdens and work and bondage. And he says, no, no. With me, yoked with me, is the only way you'll truly experience freedom. It's remarkable. This begs the question, do we still come to Jesus? That invitation, come to him. Do we still come to Jesus when we don't fully understand everything he says? Yes. Because he's trustworthy and he's good. 
And once again, it's pretty darn arrogant for us to think that just because it doesn't make sense in our minds at our moments that we're right and he's wrong. We come to him submitted in obedience, trusting and needy. And we say, Jesus, whatever you say, I'll do. Because you're good and only good and everything that you've ever led me on has just brought life. You've never asked me to do anything that's, that's brought harm or, or hurt. So I trust you, so I come to you. He is a good Savior. His burden, his burden's not burdensome. If he says, put, put this burden upon you, his burden's not burdensome. You can trust it. You can take it to the bank. When are we going to stop being Lord of our lives and truly let him be Lord of our lives? I, I'm speaking to me too. I, I, I love control, right? I love being in control. We all do. We're all control freaks. He's got to be in control. His yoke may seem tough, but when we obey him, it turns out that he gives us such grace that his burden was no burden at all. Here's the thing. This is something that only the obedient follower of Jesus discovers. This only comes through obedience. This only comes through trust. We don't get to experience that his burden is not burdensome if we don't trust, if we don't come to him under his authority in that place of freedom next to him. Come. The Sabbath is meant to be a day of coming to Christ. Jesus came on the Sabbath. He went into the synagogue. He came ready to participate. We are here today on the Sabbath. We're coming to him in, in this synagogue, you know, in this worship center, to worship him, to participate in what he's doing, to find strength in him to find rest. We come to him to receive rest. We are to come to him with remembrance. We talked about this last week with remembrance that we are not a slave but that we are free. We are to come to him with thanks and gratitude. Not just here in this moment, not just here in this building, the, the entire Sabbath day, this is what our expression is to be. We are to come to him with a receiving heart because he has the gift of his goodness and rest upon us. And in doing so, he blesses us with amazing, supernatural, spiritual rest. And I need to drive this point home. Spiritual rest. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest for your soul, right? The sad thing is that we, far too often, that people receive an inferior substitute for God's Sabbath rest. And we've all done it. Oh, I'm, I'm so tired. I missed my alarm. Oh, I slept in. I, the Lord just maybe wanted me to have more rest. It is Sabbath, you know. That's like saying, man, I'm so hungry for a steak and heading over to you know, Burger King over there and ask, getting one of their crappy 
like, like hamburger patties. Oh, I'm so glad I got this steak. Clown, you didn't get a steak. That's garbage. And we say, oh, because I slept in. Oh, that was rest. That was rest. No, it's not. Because he didn't say I'd give you rest for your feet. He didn't say I'd give you rest for your back. He didn't say I'd give you rest for uh, your quadriceps or your calves or, right? It's a, it's a ridiculously inferior rest if we think that sleeping in is the same type of rest that God has for us than the rest we get by being in his presence and coming to him. Does that make sense? I'm really trying to make this make sense. God has the stake for us. That's a big stake. Maybe that. No, we'll go here. We'll go back to here. Because this, that's out of my price range, but it's not out of God's. Okay? Not, not this. There's got to be an intentionality. That's, that's the name of today's message is Sabbath intentional. The theme of being intentional. Coming to him is intentional. We shouldn't just make a decision Saturday night when going to bed to set our alarm and whether or not we're getting up to go to church in the morning. And I'm not saying that y'all do that, okay? But I'm, hear me what I'm saying. That decision should be made for us all throughout the week. When we go, I can't wait until the Sabbath to come into his rest and to exalt his holy name, to be with his people, to link arms and connect, to grow in friendship, to serve my friend, to meet a new friend, to give towards this work that, that we're doing, to be used in the giftings that God has given me, right? That's not a Saturday night decision. That's a decision that we make all throughout the week going, I can't wait and I want to bring someone with me. Now the promise. Verse 29 again. Take my, yoke upon, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Are we teachable? Are we teachable? Gosh, I'm looking around the room right now. If my mom wasn't here, I wonder if I'd be the oldest person in the room. I don't know. I'm not. Mom, you're the oldest. <laughs> and, and you haven't outgrown being teachable, right? Jesus said, learn from me. Come to me and learn from me. We should all have a teachable heart. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We come to Jesus, and he gives us rest for our souls. That's his promise. Rest for our souls. Rest from, and, and soul is defined, it's, it's psyche is how it's spelled out in the Greek. And it says it's, it's the seat of feelings, desires, affections, concerns of our heart, our soul. He says, you'll get rest for this if you come to me. I love this passage from Romans 10. I love Romans. Romans 10 11 says this, for scripture says, everyone who believes in Jesus will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. There is no distinction between black and white. There is no distinction. All can come to him, is what he's saying. All can come to him. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who do what? 
call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love that it's, it's just simple. We don't have to climb the mountain. We don't have to swim the reservoir. We come, we call. We don't even have to have elaborate words. We don't even have to have the, the, sinner's, the, the sinner's prayer memorized. We just got to come and say, Jesus. Jesus. When we come to Jesus, he may prescribe healing for something that doesn't completely match up with our symptoms. He may prescribe healing for something, a prescription for something that doesn't totally match up with our symptoms. We come to the Lord and we say, Lord, uh, my my leg is hurting, and and he gives us something for our soul is what we see here in Scripture, right? Whatever he has for us, we can trust. Here's an example. You, You might come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm looking for direction. I need direction, Lord. I need vision. I need to know what the next steps are, Lord. I need to hear your voice on where you're leading me, right? So you're coming with that's your need, and you're looking for his healing for that need, right? And he might respond with, absolutely. I need you to forgive that boss who never promoted you. I need you to forgive that person who wounded you. I need you to forgive that person who betrayed you. But Lord, I'm coming to you looking for vision. I'm coming to you looking for direction, Lord. I I hear you. I know. I know. I need you to forgive. That's his prescription. Either he's right or you're right. We We can't both be right and you're not right. I'm not right. I'm not smarter than him. My ways are not better than his ways. Jesus has come to him, those who are weary and exhausted and carrying heavy burdens. And and when I see that, those those are pretty physical symptoms. But those are also pretty mental symptoms. I think I I would describe that as those are pretty physical symptoms and those are also pretty mental symptoms symptoms and what he responds with is I will bring you spiritual rest I will take care of all of you all of you but tending to the most important things first a couple weeks ago we talked about the disciples in the boat while Jesus rested remember Mark chapter 4 end of Mark 4 We must learn to trust Christ in everything at all times. I know we're walking out hard seasons. I know many of us are walking out hard seasons, and I promise you this. The Lord does not just want to pluck you from this season and put you in the next. That is not his intention because there are too many powerful and healing things to learn as he walks with you, as you walk with him, yoked with him through this season and he would never sell you short by just plucking you from this hard season and putting you in the next whatever your imagination thinks is the next good season when he's like no there's such incredible things that I'm growing in you you're persevering you're enduring 
Look at how close we've become. Stay with me. All right, I want to close with this epic mic drop moment from Jesus regarding the Sabbath, okay? So it's in Matthew, it's the very next verse. So we've, we started in Matthew 11, we did 27, 28, 29, 30. This is Matthew 12, verses 1 through 8. And, and I love it because Jesus is going to, it's all about the Sabbath, but everything that we just talked about was about the Sabbath as well. It's about the, the supernatural rest he wants to give us when we call out to him, when we invite him, when we, when we come to him. All right, so Matthew 12, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Jesus said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how, the, how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means... I desire mercy and not sacrifice, then you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Mic drop. Boom. I love it. He, he, we, we, last week we talked about that Jesus said, hey, um, uh, you, were made, you weren't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for you. He's like, it's a gift. It's a gift. You're not in bondage to the Sabbath. It's a gift to you. And here he's like, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. You know what the disciples did? Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, you know, all that stuff. I don't know. I see videos where young people do that. I think it's hilarious. Like, you know, someone has a good one-liner. Okay. Having intentionality brings us to Christ. To Christ much quicker and much easier than stumbling around in the dark hoping to land on something that brings us life. And that's too often what we do. We try and figure it out ourselves. We try and stumble through it ourselves. And when we come, just like today, we came. We came into this place. And we call on the name of Jesus and we don't have to have an elaborate prayer. Sometimes it's just saying, Jesus, Jesus. He rushes to our side. He gives us the life that we need. And he gives us rest. Would you just bow your heads with me in coming to the Lord at this time? Lord, we thank you for your revelation the revelation of who you are and that you have all authority and the revelation that if we want to know, if we want to know your Father, we've got to know you and you said, come. So that's what we do today. We come to you. For the hard things we're walking out, we come. For the things that are so heavy, 
that we honestly, Lord, we just wish you would take them. We just wish that you would lift them from us. But we come. And we harness ourselves with you. We take your yoke upon us because your burden is not burdensome. Uh, Lord, you say in your presence there is fullness of joy. And we know that in your presence there is fullness of all we need. So, Lord, we just ask, would you just be extravagantly present right now with every person in this place as we come to you? Lord, would you just be extravagantly present in the hard things? Lord, would you just enhance our joy in the good things? Lord, would you give us rest? Lord, there's... There's times we are weary, body, minds, emotions. But Lord, we believe you when we say that, when you say that your rest for our soul is even better. So Lord, we just open our arms to receive your goodness. We give you thanks that we are not slave, but we are free. We are not in bondage, but we are free. In fact, we're in the very presence of freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.